Last week we talked about peace. And I said, you know, you've probably seen on the bumper sticker, no God, N-O, no God, no peace, right? But then we changed it to the K-N-O-W, the Gnosko, which means really to have an intimacy, to really know God personally in depth. So we went from that to K-N-O-W, know God and know peace. And the more we understand and know who God is, the more our lives will change and reflect the image of God, the image of Christ that is within us. Amen? So today we're talking about freedom. It doesn't change really, but because if you have, if you don't know God, you have no freedom. No God, N-O God, no freedom. You may think you're free because you live in America, but listen, Americans or anywhere, anyone else in the world is just as bound up as anybody else if you don't know God. If you don't, K-N-O-W, God, Gnosko, God. That word Gnosko is a Greek word. It means to know. And it means to really, to truly, to personally know God. So this morning, if we're going to talk about freedom, we're going to have to talk about knowing God and who He is in your life. Last week we looked at Second Peter, and I'm just going to read one verse from there, chapter first, Second Peter one verse two, and I want you to see this word freedom is also in that same verse. May God, may grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and what, and what, and what? Okay, and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Anybody ever dealt with any of those things in your past? Be multiplied to you. We talked about how God is the God of multiplication. He's the God of the more than enough, the abundant God. Be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct what? Knowledge of God. The gnosko of God. That's from the root word gnosko. It's the personal knowledge and understanding of God and of Jesus our Lord. And we talked about making Jesus more than our Savior, but making Him our Lord. So this week we're talking about freedom. So... When you listen, when you give your life, I love the songs that we sang today. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, did you know that you have been set free from the law of sin and death? Really? Then why do so many Christians live in bondage? Why do we struggle with the very same things over and over and over? Why do we go around that same old mountain over time and time again? Because you know what? We're not free yet. We're not walking in the freedom that God has already said is ours. Say, freedom is mine in Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ this morning? If you are in Christ, you, he says he is a new creation. Say, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So why aren't we living in the new? Because we're not walking in the freedom that God's already provided for us. So today you're going to get some help in that area. And it has to do with knowing God. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, nor judging guilty of wrong for those who are in, in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and death. It is past tense. It is our, We have already been set free. Did y'all hear me? We have already been set free when we came to the cross, when we gave our life to Christ. So at salvation, we're declared free. So why aren't people living in freedom? 
Why do we have to meet with people? Why do we have to counsel with people all the time? Why do we have to go through all the things that we go through? Why do we have to take people through deliverance? And listen, I was reading the paper this morning. Anybody read the, 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 uh, the personal page, the opinion page? Anybody ever read that? Well, there was a guy in there. They, he, he, this is what he said. All this thing about in, in Las Vegas when the guy shot all these people. He said, they're just saying, well, what happened to him? Nobody can figure out a motive. And this guy says, I know the motive. I know what caused him to do that. He was demon-possessed. He said, the church as a whole doesn't even believe in demons anymore. He said, this guy was waking up in the night. His girlfriend said he would wake up in the night. He would be screaming and moaning. All these things, these thoughts were going through his head. Listen, demons are real. And too many Christians are demonized or they're allowing the demonic to still control their lives when they have been set free. So we got to get an understanding. What does this freedom mean? Where does it come from? How do we get this freedom? Hosea 4, 6. There's a, a, a very important verse here that says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now you look at that word destroyed, and we think of the word destroyed as just destroyed, destruction. But here's another. When you go back to the Hebrew, this word dis, dis, dis destroyed means to cease, to cause to cease, to cut off, to perish. Many Christians, because they stop learning, because they quit trying to know God more and more and more and go deeper with God, their faith just stops. They don't mature anymore. They're like a baby that's been born in a crib, and at the age of 30, they're still in the crib going, my, 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 dad, 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 feed me. Is that natural or unnatural? Would you say that's, is that, was that a God thing or would that be demonic if you're still doing the same things over and over and over and you want somebody to change your diapers yet you said you gave your life to Christ 20 years ago? And that's the way it looks. It's unnatural. It's not God's plan for your life. It's to always to walk in freedom. That's just His plan for our life. Don't you want your kids, parents, don't you want your kids to walk in freedom? Don't you want them to walk in the Spirit? Don't you want them to walk in success in their life? Of course you do, or you would be terrible parents. Well, God's our greatest parent, and He wants you to walk in this thing that He's provided for us, and He's already said it's ours. We've got to grab hold of it this morning, church. You know, the thing about it is almost all the epistles were written to the church that was under attack the church that was walking and living in bondage. Do you understand that? A lot of people go, well, listen, I got saved. I don't got no demons. Really? Then why did Paul spend many of his letters saying, you need to get free. You need to get free. You need to get free. He was talking to the church. It hasn't changed much in 2,000 years, has it? We still need to get free. Listen to me. A Christian in bondage for the most part, for the most part, is a powerless Christian. Did you hear me? A Christian that is in bondage, and you can fill in the blank of what your bondage is, because there's a lot of them. But a Christian that is in bondage, that is bound up, think of bondage as being bound up with duct tape. Like you just, you're gonna go anywhere, you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to be, you're gonna be unnaturally moving around, right? Anytime a Christian is in bondage, they are not, you know what they're consumed with? Getting the duct tape off. Getting free. They're not worried. They're not thinking about other people. They're not thinking about advancing the kingdom. They just want to be free. Right? So how are we going to affect the kingdom of God until we get, we can until we get free, church? That's why God said, name your church, Freedom Fellowship. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. It's another one of those letters. He's saying, listen, guys, you've got to be free. You've got to walk in freedom. It's going to be the church. 
Galatian church was mostly Gentiles. There were some Jews there, but it was mostly Gentiles. And Paul is dealing with this thing. He's trying to tell him, but listen, you've been filled with the Spirit. You're walking. You're supposed to be walking by the Spirit. And he said, you've been adopted as sons. He said, you need to start understanding who you are. In chapter 3, he, pre- he pre- prefaces where we're going to go in chapter 4. He says, "Why don't, don't you understand that there's neither Greek nor, nor, nor Jew nor slave nor free nor male nor female? He says, you've got to start walking in the, in the plan and purpose that I have for you. And so then he starts in verse chapter 4, verse 1. He says, now what I mean is that as long as the in- inheritor, the heir is a child and under age, he does not differ from a slave, although he is the master of all the estate. But he is under guardians and administrators or trustees until the date fixed by his father. So we, Jewish Christians, also when we were minors, were kept like slaves under the rules of the Hebrew ritual and subject to the elementary teachings of a system of external observations and regulations. You mean to break that down for you? Let's suppose that uh, you, in the Jewish day, in the day back in day, Jesus' day, there was, a, there was a dad and there was a mom, and they had a child, and they had servants in their home. Okay, you got the picture? And the little boy, he's just a little toddler, but he, you know, he is the heir to his father, right? Understand that? The servant, the administrators in the house, the nanny is not the, they're not going to inherit anything. They're servants. But in a sense, what he's saying here is the nanny actually has more authority in the house over the heir. You think, think about this. Because the, the, the nanny tells the heir what he's got to do. When he's got to do it, you need to go to bed now, son. Why? Well, I'm, I'm the heir, you know? No, you're a little toddler. You're not going to tell the nanny what to do, right? Unless you're not a very good kid. I don't want to go to bed. I'm the heir. I don't care your parents said I could spank you. In a sense, what, that's why Paul's trying to explain this to them. He says, because of the law, you've been kept as a minor. You've been having to serve under the law. And there's a day coming when the father says, your time is time. You have grown up. And see, what happens in that family, that little boy's going to grow up, and one day he's going to rule over the nanny. Okay, so he's saying in the, in the natural, that's how that looks. But in the spiritual, he says, there's a time coming when my father is going to say, it's time. It's time. It's time. And you'll see that in the next verse. Look at verse 4. But when the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase the freedom. Say, purchase the freedom. To purchase the freedom of, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for those who were subject to the law that we might be adopted and have sonship conferred upon us and be recognized as God's sons. And because you really are his sons. Oh, I love this version. And because you really are his sons. Say, I really am his son. Don't put daughter in there. Say, really, I'm really, I really am his son. You understand, I, I was explaining that to the ladies before, before they came out for baptism this morning. And Ron Campbell is one that really impressed and showed me that when he was spoken on that we're all sons. We're not daughters. Ain't no daughters in here. We're all sons. Because if you come to Christ, you're like his firstborn heir. We're all firstborn heirs. He says there are neither male nor female. And guess who the, in the scriptures, all through it, is talking about the firstborn son. Amen? Say, I'm a son. I mean, I look like a son. 
That's for the women to say. I may not look like a son, but I am a, I am a son. Because I have the son in me. Amen? So you say, I'm a firstborn heir. You see, you're not going to walk in freedom until you understand this, 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 uh, this theology, understand this doctrine that we are heirs of Christ. You're not going to live. You're going to live below your means. You're going to be, you're going to live as a nanny instead of the heir. I'd rather be the toddler of this heir than the nanny. And I know I skipped a bunch back there. At least I hope you're keeping up with me. What Paul is trying to say is, You've lived by the law all these years. It's time to start living by grace. The law of grace. There's a law of grace. It says you tried to keep the rules and regulations all these years. And you knew that it was prophesied. You saw it in Isaiah. Let me tell you what it says in Isaiah. We're going to back up some. It says in Isaiah 61.1, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news and tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To what? Proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So it's been prophesied. If they were anybody, if, if they really knew Scripture, and most all the Jews were taught this from birth, man, they knew the Scriptures. They knew that there was a prophetic word that said one day there's somebody that's coming that's going to set us free from the, from, from the law that we've been trying to keep all these years. So they knew this. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and he goes into the synagogue, and he opens up the scroll in Luke 4.18, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the uh, freedom those who are oppressed. Do you want to be set at, you want to be set free from the oppression? You want to be set free from the law? See, a lot of people say, well, Pastor, we don't live by the law anymore. Yes, some of you do. Some of you live in, in the li a life of legalism. That's what I would call the form of the law that is still prevalent today. You don't go to the temple. You know why? Because there's no temple. You don't sacrifice any animals. You know why? Because we don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore because there's no temple. But you know what we do? We try to keep the do's and don'ts list that somebody, some preacher told us or our parents told us, if you do this and if you do that, you're going to go to hell. If you don't do that, you're going to go to hell. You better watch this. You better watch that. And listen, that's a life of bondage. It's just bondage. Because how many of you are perfect in this room? I'm looking. I'm checking. We can't do it, guys. God knew we couldn't do it. He said, I'm going to make a way for you to get free. Anybody ever meet, see that movie, The Shawshank Redemption? You remember the guy that had been in, institutionalized all of his life? Been in prison all of his life? And wasn't, wasn't he part of the escaped? Didn't he escape with the other guys? Or not, was he just, was he let go? He was let go. He got out. <laughs> And he went to this little apartment. And every day he would look and go, Who's going to tell me what to do? Who's going to tell me when to eat? Who's going to tell me when, when to go to the bathroom? Who's going to let me to go out to extra? He didn't know because he was institutionalized. He was in bondage even though he had been set free. And you know what he ended up doing, don't you? He hung himself. He couldn't live that life. He didn't understand freedom. And so much of the church today is in bondage to the rules and the regulations instead of the grace of God and the love of God. 
And we always, well, I know if, if you start that grace message, I know what that means, Pastor. That means we're just going to go sin and sin and sin and sin some more and just have fun sinning. Listen, if you've, if you've gone that route, you've already missed the whole point of it. You just missed it. Because we don't, we, we don't, when we do sin, we're, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're still sinning and it doesn't bother you, then you need to rededicate your life or maybe get saved. Because God designed us that when we come in the kingdom, when His Spirit makes deposit in our spirit, then when we do sin, when we do grieve the Holy Spirit, we or we want to repent of it. Not because we think He's going to zap, you know, zap us with a lightning bolt, but because He's our Heavenly Father, loves us so much, has given us so much, why would we want to disappoint Him? We have gone, guys, we have gone from slaves to sons. Do you all understand that? You will never walk in freedom until you know and understand who your daddy is. Even if you were born an orphan. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here that was born an orphan. And you hear the stories of people that are born and they don't know who their parents are. And then later on in life, they start, they try to do their search. You know, they get on the Internet and they try to find out who their birth parents are. Y'all know who I'm, what I'm talking about? And you'll read these nice little stories, these really ooey-gooey stories. You'll read about it, right? You know, oh, that's so fine. That's good. And they don't all turn out really good. But I'm going to tell you, even if you're an orphan this morning and you're searching for your birth parents and you find your birth parents, that's good. But you need to find this parent, our Father in Heaven. That's, that's the, he's the one that's going to satisfy you. And I know people give up their kids for lots of good, lots of good reasons. We can't take care of them. We don't, we don't have whatever. And they give them up and they're sacrificed. But listen, He will never leave you or forsake you. He ain't going to give you up. Romans eight fourteen says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Didn't say daughters, it says sons of God. For the Spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father, the Spirit Himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. If you're, listen, this is serious, guys. If the Spirit of the living God does not resonate with you that you are saved, you need to, you need to reevaluate your life and say, listen, if there's no connection there, then you're not, you're not saved. Because he says it will bear witness with our spirit. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to say, get it right with God. Amen. Verse 8, but at that previous time when you had not come to be acquainted with and understand and know the true God. Y'all see this? Let's go over and over in the Bible. You Gentiles were in bondage to gods who by their very nature could not be gods at all. Gods that they that, that really did not exist. You see, that's, that's us as Gentiles. He's talking about the Jews who want to go back to the law. But as Gentiles, guess what? We followed other gods, little g. And Paul says it very clearly here, said, these aren't gods at all. See, we, we, we place things of importance in our life, and we set them up there, and we idolize things that really aren't God. The weirdest things, we idolize alcohol, we idolize sports, we idolize our children, we idolize all things that we put. How many of you know there are families that their children run the home? 
because they put their children up on a pedestal. And they've made, they've made little G, little gods out of them. And the, it's just, it's out of order. All these things, when you start putting other things in place of God or in front of God or before God, you made them little, little gods in your life. Listen, God says, no, you shall have no other gods before me. None, nada, nothing. Me, I am number one, he says. Verse 9 says, now, however, say now. Now, however, that you have come to be acquainted with and understand and know, Gnosko, the true God, or rather be understood and known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and beggarly and worthless elementary things of all religions before Christ came, whose slaves you once more want to become? Now, this is a more, one of the most interesting verses in the Bible. It says you need it's to know or to be known. There's only a couple of places in the Bible that talks about us being known by God. We're supposed to know Him, but He says, "Have you? are you known by God? That's interesting, I think. Because when we very first started this series, I said, how many of you thought you knew somebody that you've known, you've known them a long time, and all of a sudden something happens in their life or your life, and there's a, there's a trial or a tribulation, and they act out of character, and all of a sudden you go, man, I thought I knew them. How many of y'all remember that? I thought I knew them business partner, marriage partner, whatever, a teacher. I thought I knew them. Well, how many of you have heard had this done to you in your life? Because this happened to me this week. This young lady comes up to me. She says, I know you. She said, but you probably don't know me. I said, you're right. I don't know you. I was trying to be honest with her. And so she told me her name. She said, I used to go to College Hills Baptist Church when you were the worship leader there. I said, well, I'm so sorry that I, I don't remember you. She said, that's okay. How many of you ever that, that's happened to you before? Hey, I know you. you know, and then, or they do that really awkward thing. How you doing? You remember me? <laughs> remember my name? Yeah, come on, give me, give me my name. I want to give you a test. Because if you fell it, I'm like, eh. Man, I can't believe you don't remember me. It happens, doesn't it? See, listen, that's just a warning. Don't do that to people. Don't make your wife, hey, honey, would you go over there and would you go over there and introduce yourself so they can tell you their name so then you can tell me who they are that I'm supposed to know. Yeah, I'm the only person that's ever done that. Not. To know God. But listen, it's more important that God knows you. It really is. It's more important. Look, he says, let's go back to verse 9. Now, however, that you've come to be acquainted with and understand and know the true God, or rather to be understood and known by God. See, he says, if he really knows you, how can you go back to what you used to do? How can you go back to that week, the, the week time in your life? How can you go back to that old man? How can you dredge up the old man and walk with the corpse and drag the corpse around behind you and live the old life? It's important, guys, if we're going to walk in freedom, that we know who our daddy is. But it's more important that he knows us. You know why? You know why it's so important? Because that means it's a personal relationship. I love the series that we're doing in life groups. He said, God is a personal God. How many of you know if you, you say, God is, oh, he's my personal savior. Well, does he talk to you? No, he don't talk to me. Well, how personal is that? I've got some good friends, you know, we, we hang out together, but you know, they don't talk to me. How weird is that? I'm married, but you know, my wife never talks at all. Some of you guys don't, don't do anything. 
But she does talk past you. She tells me. <laughs> but how many of you know that? It's a personal relationship. When we talk to him, he talks back. When we, when, we, when we cry to him, you know what? Sometimes God cries back. He wants the best for his kids. We are his adopted sons this morning. We've got to understand that. It's one thing for us to know God, but it's even a greater thing for him to know us. How many of you know a great marriage is not just made up of one side of the, the equation? A great marriage is both. A great marriage is both. Both. It's not 50-50. It's you giving 100 and she gives 100. That's a great marriage. That's a personal, intimate relationship. It would be sad after 45 years if my wife said, you know, I don't know him at all. Or if I said, I don't know her at all. Listen, we, we complete each other's sentences. We will start, she'll say, I was going to do it. I'll say, I know, I know. And then I'll say, yeah, yeah, that's what we were thinking. That's what I was thinking. Any married couples? Can I get a testimony? Can I? Yeah, you can complete their sentences. And sometimes you don't want to. <laughs> don't say it. <laughs> but baby, I bet, don't say it. Uh-uh, stop. I know what you're thinking. Great marriage is when both or have such a relationship that you know them and they know you. And guess what? They know you in all your faults. And they still love you. Think about that. God knows us in all of our faults and then some. And he still loves us. That's grace. That's great. That's God's favor. That's his kindness toward each one of us. Paul says, how, how can you go back to the old life if you've come to know Christ in that way and you've come to know God in that way 2 Timothy 2.19 says but the firm foundation of or laid by God stands sure and unshaken bearing this seal inscription the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord uh give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it see we teach grace but we also teach holiness we also teach obedience and you do it out of love. So listen, man, he, he names you. He's called, he's got a name for each one of you. Isn't that awesome to know that this morning? I want to ask you a very serious question this morning. Does Jesus know you? Does he call you his own? See, the person that really never gave their life to him or maybe the person that feels worthless, I don't know if he knows me. I, I, I'm not sure if he knows me. And if you've ever submitted and surrendered your life to Christ, maybe God says, I know you, but I'd like to know you better. And he says, if you really want me to know you better, you're going to have to know me better. It is a two-way street. You know why? Because we're married. We're the bride. He's the groom. You know, the, he's the perfect groom. We're not the perfect bride. He's the perfect groom. But he always says the right things. He does the right things. Comes along. He never leaves us. He's always there for us. He always knows exactly what we need. He knows before we ask. He knows what we need. So I think it's very important for us to know that he knows us, but we also need to continue to know him more and more and more. If you truly know him and he in turn knows you, then your life is going to reflect that. 
Listen, I'm not talking about living in the do's and don'ts of this life. I'm not. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about keeping the commandments out of fear. I mean, I, I lived that life for 19, 20 years, more than that. I lived that life of if I don't measure up, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to go to hell? I lived that life. It's a miserable life. It's not God at all. I'm talking about living your life out of a sonship mentality. Living as an heir of God. See, we, we can't understand that. I understand that. I, can, I understand that we can't understand that. That makes sense. I understand we can't, that this thing is called an heir of God. And a lot of us think that's that pie in the sky thing, right? We think he's out there somewhere. One of these days, I want to be. I want to step into the. I want to step into heaven, and God's going to say, "Oh, welcome, you know, my my child." He said, "You, I'm very pleased with you. Come on in, step into the kingdom." And God, and we forget that he's we're heir of what he has for us now. The now he talks about here, we're heirs now. Remember some of the kings in the Bible? They they would die, and they, they would they would anoint the next king. He'd be like 15 years old. He's a king. Well, we've already been given everything God he wants. He says He's already given us every spiritual blessing. We don't have to wait for them. But if you don't understand that, don't understand who your Father is, you're not going to walk in those blessings. This is what you don't want to happen. Matthew 7. Any of you have heard this verse before, these, these three verses. This is what you don't want to happen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Listen, if I'm standing before God and I'm not sure he knows me, that's, what I, that's how I'll be saying it. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, driven out demons in your name, and done mighty works in your name? Yes, God, I love them. I'm waiting to get to heaven. I can't wait till you tell me to come in. I worked so hard for you, Lord. I kept all the rules. I kept all the regulations. I've been a good, good little Christian boy. And then I will say to them openly, publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. I think that has, would have to be the worst ever, all-time worst thing you could ever hear. Depart from me, I never knew you. See, a lot of people use this scripture, go, see, I told you to lose your salvation. Uh-uh. He says, I never knew you. And then he said, well, I knew you one time, and you didn't act so good, and so now I don't know you anymore. you got to go to hell. He didn't say that. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. But I knew you. I talked about you. I, I prayed in your name. I did all this stuff in your name. But, but God, Jesus said, but you didn't keep the commandments. And see, the, God gave me a revelation this, of this scripture a few months ago, and I think I preached it. A revelation of this scripture. You know what these guys were missing that said all that? They were missing the L-O-V-E. You go to 1 Corinthians 13, and it says you can say to the mountain, be removed into the sea, you can do this, you can speak in all these tongues, you can do all these wonderful things, but if you have not, have not love, you are nothing. You get nothing. 
And what are the commandments of Jesus? He didn't say to keep the Mosaic law here. He said the commandments. And when they ask him, what are the commandments, Jesus? What are the most important commandments? He said, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments are all right there. And if you don't have love, I don't care how many demons you try to cast out. I don't care how many prayers that you pray. If you don't do these things in love, if you don't know Jesus on the day that he, you stand before him and you're waiting for him to give you a crown, and he may say, listen, I don't even know you. Depart from me. You're wicked. Sad, sad, sad words from Jesus Christ. But, 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 but. I knew no, you didn't know me. You maybe knew about me, but you didn't really know me. And see, it doesn't matter what your argument's gonna see, they were putting up an argument here, weren't they? I did this, I did that. Remember last week we talked about the church at Ephesus? Y'all remember that? They'd done this, that, this, that. All looked really good on paper. I thought, man, I want to be a part of that church. And he said, But I have something against you. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. You didn't lost your first love. You left your first love. Go back and re- repent and do the works, the same works again. Go back and start over. When God gave me this message for this week, it's like He said, "There are people in your church, Harold. They they need to start over. They need a restart because they're in bondage and they don't understand that they have a heavenly Father that's already set them free from the bondage." Why would we keep walking in the very thing that Jesus died to set us free from? We're free. You know how you stay in bondage? Choosing to. You stay in bondage by choosing to. And I know it can be a demonic oppression. I understand that. It can be things that happen to you when you're a child. I understand that. We have ministry for that. We take people through deliverance. We've been... seen so many people set free lately of the things that have been harassing them all of their life. You can be set free. But some people, they just choose to be disobedient. They just choose, willfully choose to do their own thing. They just do. It's called rebellion. Let me tell you something. When you talk about rebellion in the Bible, you know what you're talking about? Witchcraft. It's not a fun topic, is it? Oh, rebellion, that's okay. Witchcraft, he says, is the same thing as rebellion. You're trying to control things. You want to do things your own way. God wants to set you free from that. Some of you have been trying to control things all of your life. It gets tiring, doesn't it? It's like herding cats. Can't do it. It is. It really is. Ever since I saw that commercial many, many years ago, the guy, the cowboy, and the little cats coming over the hill. He's trying to herd cats, you know, and they're just going all over the place. That's how it is, trying to control things. And God said, no, uh-uh. Let me, let me be in charge. Let me be in control of your life. Quit trying to manipulate and control people because then when you do that, you're in bondage. And God wants you to be free of that. God wants you to have this life of grace and love, peace and joy and freedom. Would you stand this morning? Ministry team, would you come? Jeff, somebody, keyboard.
You know, you don't have to have music for an invitation. I just think it's better. <laughs> I, I just do. I think it sets a tone for somebody this, this morning. Uh, there's more than one of you this morning that are battling control. You're battling whatever is controlling you. And you really want to be free. But the first thing you need to do is know who your daddy is. That you're an adopted son of God. You're an heir of God. Quit living like you're the nanny. Quit living like you're the paid help. Quit living like you're a slave in, in somebody else's house. When he says, you're my friend. You're mine. I've adopted you. Some of you here this morning, you feel so unworthy. And you think, well, God wouldn't adopt me. Huh. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I just ask you to step out this morning and receive the adoption. Receive that restoration. Receive what God has for you today. Step out of your bondage today and start walking in freedom. Some of you have an addiction to, you could fill in the blank. And I was watching a guy yesterday in a state cell, and, and I'm not picking on smokers, okay? I'm just not. Please understand that. But I, I thought I, it was just a picture of a bondage. He had to leave. He worked, the, he worked this estate sale, and he had to walk out into the alley a ways down so he could smoke a cigarette. And one of the other workers said, so he was calling him by name, said, we need your help here. And he said, mm-mm, can't, can't go. I, I have to stay back here. Because he was, he had, he was in bondage. Maybe, it, maybe that is a bondage this morning. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's whatever. But you just can't seem to shake it. And this morning, God wants you to shake it. And leave it here. Shake it off in Jesus' name. And let him start controlling your life. And start walking in freedom. Father, I thank you for freedom today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you are here this morning. So, Father, for any of those that are in bondage to anything, or any of those that are here today that are trying to control their own life, Lord, today, let this be a day of freedom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Y'all step out and come forward. We have ministry team here at the front. We have ministry team in the back. Make it make it quick. Let's just let's let's just step out and don't don't think about it. Just say, I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free. Mary Lou, could you come? I want to be free. If you want to be free this morning, do not let the enemy tell you that everything's okay in your life when it's not okay. Step out and come. Let some of these folks pray for you this morning. Did I have some more ministry team come up here? Thank you, Joe. Anybody else need prayer this morning? It's not an, Never be ashamed to come for prayer. How many of you have been for prayer before? Step, hold your hands. Have you been out and you stepped out and you said, I need prayer? Okay, that's almost everybody here. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. I believe it's a, it's a step of faith that says, I want more. I want to be closer to God. I want to know who my daddy is. So step out and come if you need prayer. Go to the back. We have prayer. Ooh don't have many people left if you're on the auxiliary prayer team could you step out and come if you're if you're the backup we want to pray for you don't let the enemy rob you of this day remember what i said we are destroyed for lack of knowledge you've got knowledge today you have an understanding today don't let him rob you steal from you keep you from your inheritance any longer okay 
Step out and come. Step out and come. We're going to wait just a couple more minutes and we're going to close. Step out and come if you need prayer this morning. Maybe you need prayer for healing. Man, we've been hearing miracles over and over and over again. People come, they said, I've been totally healed. I came here, my body was racked with pain. And somebody prayed for me and the pain left. We want to pray for you if you need physical healing this morning. Joe's up here. Any man need prayer? Come on, step out and come. Rick, you want prayer? Okay, awesome. Come on. Anybody else? Charles, Pam, could you guys step up? Come on up to the front and pray. Somebody. Comes a young man needs prayer today. Anybody else? Any life group leaders here that want to step out so you can pray for some folks? you be available come on up to pray for folks live group pastor amen i don't know about you but freedom is an awesome thing we live in a free country but you can be just as bound up in a free country and not walk in the freedom god has for you you men need prayer this morning step out and come come on step out and come don't let don't let the enemy win one more minute. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. You know, we serve a good, good daddy, don't we? I'm passionate about freedom because I know what it's like to be in bondage. I'm passionate about marriages because I know what it's like to almost lose mine. The enemy tried to rob and steal and kill our marriage 35 years ago. When we're standing up here and the, the y'all are honoring us and says, Pastor Appreciation, we look out over here. Why do you think that we can't take credit for this? Because God restored our marriage. We didn't do it. We didn't even, we weren't even trying. But people were praying. And he said, God knew his plans for us. And listen. He knows his plans for you too. And they are good plans. Do not let the enemy tell you that there's no plan for your life. Just because up until now it hasn't worked out the way you thought it would. Do not ever give in to that lie of the enemy. He has a plan for everybody's life. I don't care if you're Kitty's age at 91. Or if you're in the if you're in the babies. If you're in a crib back there. If you're, in a, if you're a toddler. He has a plan for every one of us. And I want to promise you it is a good plan. It's a good plan because we have a good, good Father. So, Father, this morning, I thank you for your word that is truth. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. And you've called us to be people of love. Does God know you today? You may have a knowledge up here, but does he know you? Do you know it from here? You may be seated. Thank you. Mike, did you want to share quickly? Come on up. Y'all welcome, Brother Mike. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Uh, God is assembling and 
evangelistic team. So first and foremost, I ask for all of you just to pray and ask God to show you your part. If you're to be a part of this evangelistic team, to go to the uh, streets and start to minister to the apartment complexes, to the prisons, to the jails, to the parks, wherever God sends us, that's where we're ready to go. So I ask for y'all's prayers for that because God is assembling this evangelist team. It's not Mike. It's not Pastor. It's God doing it. And he's just using us. He's using us to set the captives free. That's what we've been called to do. My pulpit's not here, man. My pulpit's out in the world. And maybe that's where you belong. So you pray. You pray and you ask God to show you. Because we want men and men and women of God that are ready to go set the captives free. And in that process, we're also going to have a corporate uh, deliverance uh, class with the uh, sister, uh, what's their name? Betty and Sandra. Betty and Sandra. So uh, if you've never been through a deliverance, and pastor was just talking about all that, you know, and that's what we're going to do. So, but first we just, we need to pray. And, and if you're, if you're interested, let me know. If God's called you to that ministry, let me know, and, and we'll set it all up. And then we're going to go through a training to, to go set the captives free. So God bless you all. Amen. Thank you, Mike. You've heard it said before, free people. Ah, free. You've heard that too. Free people, free people. You've got to be free to set other people free. Uh, again, if you're not walking, don't, don't walk out of here just thinking that, you know, I can do all that and I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips unless you're going out with the Holy Spirit. Street ministry, listen, you got to be ready for that. And you're on the front lines. You're on the front lines. But guess what? When you go to your job, you're on the front lines. When you go to school, you're on the front lines. When you step out of this, this place, out of these walls today, you're on the front lines. And God's called us all to be warriors for Christ. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Love each and every one of you. Y'all have a very blessed day.